Hallelujah. Hindsight is 2020. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. We've, 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 we're in part three, and we've asked the question, what did we learn looking in the rearview mirror over 2020? With the first one, we said, what did we learn about our nation? How many of us, we learned some things about our nation that, that our nation was not quite what we thought it was? In fact, I'm going to go so far and say it wasn't anything like we thought it was. Americans are the masters of faking it, putting on a smile and pretending to be somebody that they're not. True hearts and true motives were revealed. Second thing we talked about is what we learned about the church. The church in America and most of the places of the world, but not everywhere in the world, but especially in America, we learned just how quick the church is to follow Caesar, but not as quick to follow God. Oh, I'm preaching better than you shouting this morning. Today, I want to tell you, and I think everything is flowing, the music, the prophetic word, everything is flowing to this moment. And that is this. I want to ask the question, what did we learn about us? It's easy to see and declare and shout amen what's been exposed in the nation. It's easy as a bystander to talk about what's been exposed in the church and, and able to say, but not our church. Our church ain't that way or not me. But yeah, that's right. You're right about the church. It's easy to judge and, and evaluate what you've learned about someone else. But the hardest person for you to ever come to grips with and want the onion to truly be peeled is you. Huh? But here's the thing that's the, the crazy thing about it. We don't mind knowing everybody else's faults and we automatically think we can fix everyone else. But we don't want to deal with us. We say we do. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Some of y'all quote that sometimes and don't even know what you just said. You can't have a clean heart without a repentive heart. You, you don't just get a clean heart because you said you have to repent. And repent doesn't mean that you're sorry. That's just, you're just sorry because you got caught. Repent means to change your mind and turn in a different direction. That's what he said. If my people, my people, you hear Dr. King? I might not make it there to the promise. I've been to the mountaintop and I've seen the promised land. I might not make it to you with you to the promised land, but as a people. Do you think Dr. King really fully meant, I know he meant, I know he was speaking to the African-American community, I know that. But do you think at the heart of Dr. King, he meant my people were just black people? Dr. King's people were not just black. Do you not see the, the races that was all around him? And in that day and time, that was a big deal. When you saw white folks and everybody else around, and he said, the dream is that one day, my children 
will be judged by the content of their character and black children and white children and Hispanic children and Asian children and mixed children will be able to play together in the streets, Jew and Gentile alike. It reminds me when he says, but as a people, it reminds me what God said. If my people, which are called by my name. Do you know, I know Christ is not Jesus' name, but that's what they called him in, in the early church. And that's why we're called Christians. We're followers of Jesus. How many knows when you become a son or, of a, of a, or a daughter of a, of a person in the Eastern culture, you take their name. So just simply by being a son or a daughter, you take the name of God. You have rights. You're an heir. You're a joint heir with Christ. And if that's the case, you are called by his name. So you are his people. His people are black. His people are white. His people are Hispanic. His people are Asian. His people are, his people are whatever race. Because the truth is, some of y'all think you're white, you ain't really white. Some of y'all think you're black and you ain't even really black. What is black? What is white? Trace your lineage. Trace your lineage and you'll find out you probably got folks of every race that came before you. Somebody say amen. Somebody say, Pastor, that's good preaching. My people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Oh, I'm humble. I'll pray. Oh, wait a minute. He ain't through. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Not seek the attention of Pastor Larry. Some of y'all are more worried about shaking my hand than you are about living under the hand of God. Huh? Some of you are more worried that you got time to talk to me after church instead of taking time to talk to God. You scared to death if you see me walk up on you somewhere when you're doing something you know you shouldn't be doing. But you done forgot that God done saw everything. You think if you could hide it from the preacher, you can you alright. I'm not omnipresent. Although some of y'all think I am. How many times y'all been somewhere when I go, I'm always watching. Oh, pastor, how are you? I'm blessed by the blood of Jesus. Woo! Got up this morning and the Lord started me on my way, pastor. Woo! It's such a blessing to see you. Oh, I feel the Holy. You have a blessed day, pastor. God's up there going, why wouldn't you talking to me like that? Why wouldn't you happy to see me this morning? People leave the church because the pastor didn't shake their hand. If my faith was based on some man having to shake my hand, I got the wrong faith. We learned a lot about ourselves. We learned that one thing about ourselves is that we, as a human person, we are shaped by the voices that we allow to speak into our lives. Come on. I'm talking about the doorways 
of the eyes and the ears. What you let come in the doorways of your ears, what you let come through the windows, the windows of the eyes, the doors of the ears. What is coming in the windows and what is coming in the doors will shape you into what you believe. You look at a country right now that is divided. You look at a country right now that is gripped in fear. You look at all 50 capitals. All 50 state capitals in this United, think of that word, United States of America, all 50 of them are surrounded right now by National Guard. They've, they say they've had intelligence that tells them to do that to protect the capitals. I'm not here to debate that or not. I'm just saying we need God to move in this country. This cannot be the new normal. I don't care what you fall, side you fall on. My God, we cannot live like this. So what is the answer? More National Guard is the answer. More restrictions is the answer. Let me tell you what the answer is. The answer is turn from your wicked ways. Seek his face. Turn from your wicked ways. And then God will heal our land. He doesn't heal our land by more division. It is unity. That's why we celebrate. It's called Unity Day. Dr. King Unity Day. The reason we call it that is because Psalm 133 says how beautiful and how pleasant it is when my brethren dwell together in unity, in harmony. It is there that I will command the blessing. Who is speaking into your life? It might do some of y'all some good to take one week and listen to another radio station. Another morning show, another radio station. Well, I'm preaching good. It might do y'all some good. I'm not saying you're going to change what you believe, but it might help you to get out of a bubble Listen, I'm talking to the right and the left in here. I'm talking to the Democrat and the Republican. Huh? I'm talking about to those that don't consider yourself either one. But you got a ritual. You got certain people that you like. You listen to them on a podcast. You listen to them on the radio. And that's, that's all you ever get. It might do you some good to take a week and listen to somebody that don't believe nothing like you believe. It might help you. It might even change the way you feel about things. But at the very least, it would at least help you to know how to pray for your brothers that you don't agree with. Woo, this is good. I'm trying so hard to get banned by Facebook. I'm trying. Some of y'all think it's going to be a bad thing. I'm going to take it as a badge of honor. The day Mark Zuckerberg says, yep, no, he's, he's saying too much, too much Jesus, too much Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you right now, I'm going to screenshot that bad boy, and I'm going to shoot it on something else, and I'm going to let everybody know, hey, you want to you come to a church that ain't afraid to tell the truth? You, I just got banned from Facebook, so you're going to have to come. So go ahead. That was for you, Mark. We learned how important relationships are to us. We learned 
that we have taken people for granted. That they would always be here. And then they're gone. Some of them have gone by way of the, the grave. Some have gone by way of burned bridges. They don't want to have nothing to do with you anymore. Because you don't line up exactly with them. I want to tell you something. Isolation is a dangerous place. Now, I know I'm not saying there's not times that you need to get along with God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you make a decision to pull yourself away from all people and have no interaction with people whatsoever. It's dangerous for you. How, I'm going to tell you how I know it's dangerous. God said it was dangerous. Am I preaching? You say, well, you ain't even read a scripture yet. I don't think, how are you preaching? I'm still preaching. I'll read my first one to make y'all feel good. In the Garden of Eden, God moved on Adam to name all the creatures that had been made. And Adam's sitting there after he had named them all, after he had heard he had been walking in the cool of the day with God. You would think that, that Adam had everything that Adam would ever need because he was walking with the creator of the world. But he didn't live in heaven. He lived on earth. So the only time God was with him personally and intimately was when God came from heaven to earth. And when he's walking with God, he didn't need nothing else. But God would then go back to heaven to his throne, do the works that God has to do, and want to allow Adam here on this earth to operate in the dominion that he gave him to till the gardens, to take care of the trees, to tend and to live the blessed life of the garden. Adam was content and Adam thought, I got the good life. There's nothing could be better than this. He had no idea how dangerous an environment on earth that he was in when God was not walking with him. So one day, Genesis 2.18 spells it out. And the Lord God said, read it out loud with me. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. In other words, some of y'all ain't going to know how to handle what I'm about to say, but I know what I'm saying is biblical. I am, God is the answer to everything. How many knows God can do anything? But when he gave man dominion to operate and make his own decisions here on this earth, God, oh, got to say this right or people twist my words, purposely limited himself in this realm. God is spirit. Spirits, in order to operate in this realm, have to have a body. Don't you know if the devil could and all the demons that are spirit beings could, he'd just go around sticking knives in every one of y'all's hearts and kill every one of y'all. Because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? But he can't kill you on his own. He can't pick up a knife and stab you even though he wants to. I hate to be grotesque, but I'm trying to make it a very powerful illustration. He has to move demonically on a person to pick up that knife and do it. You hear me? Well, we know that on the demonic side, but it's also that way on the spiritual side. 
God wants to heal everyone that's sick. But he doesn't come down and touch you. He looks at you and says, you shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. He has the ability to thump every devil that's possessed somebody out at any moment. But he looks at you and says, and you shall cast out devils. So when he said it is not good for man to be alone, he was saying, when I'm down there, everything's good with him. But when I have to leave him out of this realm, even though he's still in this realm, but if the authority is given back to Adam. How many of those? He had the authority. He had the authority to make the decision, him and Eve, to eat that fruit. Don't you know God saw them eating that fruit? Do you know God had the ability and the power to stop them from eating that fruit? But here on this earth, because of his own word, he was bound to let them eat that fruit. So he was saying, there will be times in your life, the only way you will ever really feel Comfort that comes from me is going to be through another person. I will move on them. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, here's why you're not going to make it into heaven with me. You think you're all good, goody two-shoes religious person. Because when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was in prison, you didn't come visit me. And the religious people spoke up and said, what? This is, this is not right because you know me. Come on. Me and you like this. So here's the thing. I know good and well. I ain't never seen you naked. Because if you was naked, I sure would have clothed you. If you was hungry, there ain't no way that I would not have fed you. If you was in prison, I found out you got arrested. There ain't no way I wouldn't have come and visited you. Because you know me. God said, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. In other words, when you feed someone, you feed me. But let's flip that. Not when you feed someone, you feed me. When you feed someone, I'm feeding them through you. Are y'all getting this deep word this morning? It's hard to be fed by God alone and in isolation. It's impossible to feed someone else and clothe someone else in isolation. Is this good preaching? Do you see the plan of the devil here? Do you see what's happening? I'm not preaching about a virus. Because if you think that all of the plan of the enemy was about a virus, and once the virus herd immunity happens and the virus is no longer an issue, you think the devil's just going to go squeak back in the corner and let things go back. No, 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 no. This is all a part of a big plan. To take our focus away from God, to take our focus away from praise and worship, to take our focus away from gathering, and to devalue the power of relationships. Thank you, Hutch. I know one thing. If I, need, if I ever need an amen, I got it from Hutch. I appreciate you, brother. The rest of you just taking it in, I know. I'm going to read you something. It's 1128. I got plenty of time. There are many people in our nation, because of seriousness of pre existing conditions, but many of them no pre existing conditions simply because somebody told them not to leave their house. They're just staying home. 
That's it. There's, there's no, there's no pre-existing condition. They've just not gone anywhere unless it was an absolute emergency. I want you to hear this. This is, this is what I found this week. For those who quarantined 100% of the time that they possibly could, 28% of Americans, this was a shocking number to me, before pandemic, 28% of all Americans live alone. 28% of our nation's citizens live alone. Almost a third of us already. This has meant to those who live alone, who have quarantine, already live alone, but now they're quarantined. Used to they lived alone, they could have interaction with people when they went to work. They had interaction with people when they went to Walmart. They had interaction with people when they went to the movies. They had interaction with people when they went to church. But if you live alone already, and then you're in a quarantine, 28% of Americans live alone. Listen to this. This means for those that chose to quarantine that lived alone, they have had basically no human contact other than brief moments coming up on a year. Every human contact that they've had, other than if they have to get out, run to the store, get something, and run back home, has been on a screen. Or listening to someone talk to them. Tell them things. Regardless of living situation, interaction with anyone outside the home has been severely limited to everyone. Preliminary surveys suggest that within the first month of COVID-19, isolation, loneliness, this was the first month, increased by 20 to 30% in emotional distress tripled within one month. Of isolation. March is one year. You say, well, this is January. March will be here like that. Right? January's almost already over with. March will be one year. The suicide thoughts and rates and depression, anxiety and stress are through the roof. I tell you what, if I hadn't made you mad yet, I'm about to make you mad. I'm all for stimulus checks. Get you as many stimulus checks as you can to help you. But I got news for you. A stimulus check is not going to bring somebody out of depression. Huh? A stimulus check is not going to make somebody think their life is worth living. $2,000 is a lot of money. But if you're already thinking that your life is worthless, $2,000 ain't going to change that. You need somebody to speak into your life. I'm telling you, joy is worth more than money. Peace is worth more than money. I'll tell you what, you want to stimulate something? You want to stimulate the economy? You want to stimulate the, 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 your neighborhood? How about speaking Jesus into the life? How about putting a smile on your face and waving at him from across the yard instead of looking so mad you could spit? How about, how about instead of cutting somebody off on the highway, you pray to smoke a blessing over them? How about you make a stimulus in this world? by you how about you become a stimulus how about you you're the greatest stimulus check that could ever be delivered to somebody i tell you right now have you ever been so depressed mad ear ill irritated 
and come to the house of God and somebody come up to you and shake your hand and just say something good to you and I'm telling you right now you want to stay mad but you can't because man they just made you laugh they made you feel good the opposite is the effect as well I've come into church on top of the world and had the life sucked out of me is this good preaching I'm thankful. Listen, I'm, when I say things like that about stimulus checks and I say things about masks and all that, y'all got to know, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that can't be the main focus. I'm just saying one day this is going to move to somewhere else. We, we, if we don't think big picture now, we're certainly not going to then. We can't accept a world's new normal. We can't. You can. I'm not. This church is not. I'm not talking about if you don't want to shake my hand, you got, I'm going to make you shake my hand. I'll fist bump you, elbow bump you. I'll do, what, do whatever makes you feel comfortable. But I'm not shutting them doors if they tell me to. I'm not shutting the door. Oh, I heard the doctor. I heard the doctor yesterday. I heard him yesterday on Fox 6 News in the morning, in the morning from UAB. Hope somebody shares this with him. He looked right at the camera and said, we need another shutdown. We need to shut everything down for another six weeks. He said it yesterday. The head doctor at UAB need to shut everything down like we, his words were, like we did before. We need it now more than we even needed it then because of the second variant. Needs to be shut down for a minimum of six weeks. I got news for you. They told us last time two weeks to flatten the curve. Two weeks is almost a year later. Six weeks ain't going to be six weeks. So, so I done made a decision. You ain't got to go with me. I hope you don't have to go with me, but I'll go to jail. I'm not shutting the doors. I don't care if Facebook likes it, YouTube likes it. I love my governor. I love my mayor. I love everybody. But I'm telling you right now, we're not shutting down in this place because we are the only hope that's available. We are the only legitimate stimulus check this community needs. If we shut down, they have nothing. There's nothing left. Judge me. Can I just go ahead and do some, can I, can I, can I just do some work on the camera for just a minute? Can I talk to some people on the camera? Can y'all just hang with me for just a second? Just know this. I love you. I firmly believe in what I believe. You start trying to blow me up and tell me that I don't care about your grandma and all this kind of stuff and try to make, make me look like an evil person. I'll love you, but I will unfriend you and I will block you because I don't need your mess. I know who I am in God, and I love your grandma. I hope your grandma's watching on live stream, and she watches on live stream as long as Zuckerberg and, and YouTube lets us stay on here. But the truth is, you ain't going there with me. Because I know my heart is not, my heart is not negative. My heart is after God. I've got to answer to God. Do you hear me? I have to answer to God. I have to answer to God. And that's not easy to, to, to get to that place because I know what it's going to be like. I know what's coming. God's already showed me what's coming. If I've ever needed your prayers, I need them now. We learned a lot about ourselves. We learned... And the shocking thing that shocked me more than anything 
is I learned Pentecostal, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking people who fall out of the power of God, who run around the place, who's been raised in the power of God and miracles all their life, can be struck by fear just like that. And I'm not talking about safety. I'm talking about words coming out of their mouth that's opposed to God. Opposed to God. This is what 2 Timothy said. This was Paul writing to, to his young spiritual son, Timothy. He says, therefore, I remind you. Everybody say, remind you. It's important. I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, I know y'all done heard that a thousand times during the pandemic. But I want to show you something in the last few minutes I got. I like to break a scripture down. The first thing I want to show you that we read right over is the word remind. See, you don't have to remind someone of something unless you've told them that before. Or they had to live through an experience. You're reminding them of what they came out of or you're reminding of them of what you tried to teach them. So Paul is saying to Timothy, I see what's happening. I see people are forgetting who they are. I, forget, I see people are buying into systems that are not kingdom systems. I want to remind you that sometimes you've got to get the gift of God stirred up within you. Do you know what? One of the things that ain't all, of, all it is, but one of the powerful things about the house of God is that you come here to get stirred up. Not in a bad way, but the Bible says apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the book of Ephesians says it is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Some of y'all don't even know who you are in God, but when you get around in the presence of God and get up under a pastor who's hearing from God, he'll speak into you and see things in your life you can't even see in yourself and begin to pull things out of you and stir up something that you thought was dead and remind you of the promises that were in there. Remind you of the call that was in there. Somebody tell you something. I want to remind you that sometimes you can't stir up the gift of God on your own. Sometimes you can, but sometimes you've got to get around the people of God and have them to lay hands on you. It's that stir up the gift of God through the laying on of hands. But we can't touch people. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. I do have a pair of parachute pants that when I lose another 20 pounds, I am going to wear them on a Sunday. They've been in storage in my office for years. I'm going to bring them out. That's a big balloon ones like you had in the video. Gold, silver, shiny. Y'all think I'm kidding? I need to lose about 20 pounds. It's coming. That will make us go viral. That actually might get me banned. <laughs> for God has not given us a spirit of fear. What he was saying is, you are under a spirit of fear, but it did not come from me. And the way to overcome that spirit of fear 
and to be replaced with what he's given us is, is love and a sound mind. Many times it is through the gift of the Spirit being stirred up within you. So, so when we are isolated and we're not around voices and people who can help stir that gift of God up within us, whether it's through laying our hands or even just through the power of life and death, and just speaking into our lives, if we're not careful, we become more and more isolated until we pull ourselves in a corner. And I know this with respect. I love you. And, and I'm telling you, this is not judgmental. This is your pastor trying to help you. I know that there are people watching here right now that every week you hear me say kind of the stuff that I'm saying. You consider me your pastor. You're faithful to give. You never miss a broadcast. I'm not talking to the people who have conditions and have breathing problems and all of that. But I'm talking to a group that you know good and well you've been out of church for so long. It's now difficult for you to make yourself get up and come. Because isolation has become the norm for you. Church, will you help me? What I'm about to say, and I'm going to close. If you come back, no one will judge you. Huh? Watch this. You want to wear your mask? You want to sit by yourself in the balcony? No one will question you. No one will doubt you. Because we will be ecstatic to see you. Okay? No one in this church will come up to you trying to be funny and say ignorant things like this. Well, where you been, stranger? Fill out a visitor card. We won't say ignorant things like that. Huh? We will just be happy to see them. Shoot them with a finger gun pistol salute. And just tell them, welcome back. We love you. We miss you. And just rejoice that they're here. Solid Rock Church, make some noise so they can hear you if you agree with what I just said. Okay. So, there it is. If you can social distance in Walmart, you can social distance here. All right, I'm almost through. I got to hurry because I'm, I'm running out of time. I don't know about y'all, but I'm getting hungry. Huh? I'm talking about losing weight and I'm getting hungry up here. <laughs> I ain't never going to wear them parachute pants. I'm, 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 I'm almost there. Watch this. I'll just read this scripture to you and then I'm going to close with a thought. James 1 says this, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I mean, we fell in a few in 2020, didn't we? But he said, count it all joy. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. See, so I always tell people that, that people, over the years, people don't re, have read that scripture, don't know that scripture, and they always make a mistake, come up and pray. Well, what are you believing God for? Well, I, you know, I have a problem with patience, Pastor. I'm asking you to pray that I have more patience. And I say, I think I need to give a disclaimer before I pray this. Because the Bible tells us what brings patience into your life. It's called tribulation. So you think I'm praying for patience. I'm really going to pray for you to have tribulation. Are you good with that? Okay. But let patience have its perfect work. So if patience has its perfect work and patience comes through tribulation, let the tribulation work in you what it needs to work in you. See, the reason you can count it all joy when you fall into various trials 
is that you have a mindset of knowing if I'm having to go through this, I know my God let me go through this. And I know my God has got me. And I know my God said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear any evil because you are with me. I know my God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Are y'all with me, church? So I know that if my God let me go through this, there is something that I'm supposed to learn in this. So at some point, God, I'm going to find the strength to say, okay, God, I'm listening. What are you saying? Let have his perfect work and complete lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to them. Here's the big one. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Whose report are you going to believe? Hmm? Whose prognosis? I asked the pastor, when are you going back to services? What is it going to take for you to go back to in-person services? I'll never, ever, ever tell you who this pastor is. I don't care even if he paid this building off. I might trick you into thinking I was going to just to get the building paid off. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I won't tell you because I'm not going to speak against another pastor. I'm not even speaking against him now because he, he has to do what God's called him to do. <laughs> this was his words. When the CDC tells me I can't. Okay, look, I thank God for the CDC. I thank God for all of our doctors and all the experts and everything. I wasn't called to preach the gospel by any kind of governmental entity or business. I'm, I don't hate them. I don't, I'm not mad at them. But I found out real quick how, what they thought of us when they listed the non-essentials and the essentials. Real quick, we were listed right under, right under, not above, it would have still been bad, but we were under movie theaters. Entertainment. Are you not entertained? Some of y'all get that some I didn't come to entertain you. I hope you have a good time when you come to church here. But, I, but I'm telling you right now, I'm, my job is not to entertain you. My job is to challenge you, to equip you, and to help you to not be double-minded. We learned this about ourselves. This hurts me to say it. We honored, we learned that we have a really bad problem with honor. think we know honor, but we don't know honor. We learned that many Christians honor the voice of the White House more than they do the voice of God's house. Thank you to the 10 people. 
The last thing we'll say is this. Jesus came into his disciples one day. He's getting close to the end of his ministry. He knew it. He needed to have a very, very important conversation with them. He, need, he knew. He knew the greatest thing he came here to this earth to do. That was to live a sinless life and die on the cross for our sins. But he also knew the second greatest thing he ever was going to do on this earth. That was to take those three and a half years of ministry and pour the kingdom into human beings. He knew, he knew, he's all knowing. He knew it would not too long from that his feet would lift up off this earth and disappear in the clouds. He would not be here in body of the presence just like what happened in the garden. He needed to start something that declared God saying, it is not good for you to be alone. He called it the church. He called it the bride. He is Adam. We are the bride. We are Eve. But he knew the ones that was going to do that had to get it. So the very famous conversation that if you've gone to church any part time of your life, you've heard this quoted and preachers preached on it, but I want you to hear it with a new ear. Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist. Some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said, okay, that's good. I want to know who, who they say I am. But more importantly, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter immediately spoke up. said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now you got to get this. you got to get this. you got to get this. This ain't this. I've never preached what I'm about to say because I've never seen it till this week. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is, that is in heaven. Now, let, me, let me break that down to what he just said to Peter. He said, Peter, there isn't a human being alive from the high priest any of your fellow disciples that could have ever caused you to get that revelation and say what you just said. The only one, the only voice that can give you that revelation is my Father which is in heaven. So because of your obedience, he heard me ask you this question. And because of your heart, in the midst of your brethren, he caused you to speak a truth no one had ever spoken. No flesh and blood has ever revealed this to you. You didn't learn this in a class. You didn't learn this even from a church service. God just spoke through you, Simon. And also I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or Hades, shall not 
prevail against it. I will give you the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, he says, when the church gets this, when a believer gets this, it's a supernatural revelation that each believer has to come to grips with. They can hear a sermon. They can hear Pastor Larry break it down. But I can't make you see Jesus the way he is. You have to be. That's why he looks at Peter individually. Looked at all 12 of them individually. And he's looking at you today saying, Who do you say I am? I know what Pastor Larry said I am. I know what the preacher on TV said I am. I know what that book that you read that somebody else, another preacher wrote, says I am. Now, I appreciate that you've got all that earthly knowledge and all that revelation that some preacher told you. But when you're faced with facing the devil, and Pastor Larry ain't nowhere to be found, no elders are anywhere, you can't get a hold of anybody, you don't have a signal. But your kids are hurting, they're sick. Somebody you love is dying. Who do you say I am? When nobody's there to know you're doing anything to give you praise, to give you prestige, who do you say I am? When the doctor says this, who do you say I am? When the boss says, I'm sorry, this pandemic has got us. We've done the best we can. We've got to let you go. Who do you say I am? stop being who he is because of an economy he don't stop being who he is because of an election and when you get it when you finally get it here's what happens he gives you keys gives you keys he says these keys can unlock things that the world says is not even available I love to do that every once in a while. Because you know why? Not just because it's the keys to the kingdom. But I like to do this because it reminds the devil that he used to have keys to death, hell, and the grave. Until my Jesus went down there when his body laid in the tomb. And he took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. The devil ain't even got keys to his own house. Oh, death, where is your victory? Sting. Oh, grave, where is your victory? I'll tell you, I got keys that the devil ain't got. Stand up on your feet all over this house. I want to ask you a question. I got five minutes to do 20 minutes worth of work. But here's my question. Where are the Peters, the Apostle Peters of today? I heard God speak that to me. We need more men that will stand up in the midst of a crowd and say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are a good God. All the time. And all the time you are good. Where are the Peters? If you're ready to be a voice in the midst of a wilderness, come to this altar. If you're ready to be a voice in the midst of a wilderness, come to this altar. Get up here now. 
I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm not saying you feel that you're qualified. But if you're ready for God to use you in this moment, to bring you out of a spirit of fear, get up here. It's impossible, as he told Peter, for any flesh and blood to reveal to you who Jesus is. I can help you. I can break down scripture. But ultimately, you have to see Jesus for the way he is. He has to be your king. He has to be your Lord. Not Pastor Larry's king. Remember when the, when the, when the, in the book of Acts, the two sons of a, of a, of a, a prominent man named Sceva tried to cast out a devil. They said, we command you in the name that Paul preaches, in the God that Paul preaches to come out. Here's how you know when somebody knows who Jesus is and when somebody knows about Jesus. They knew about Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. Jesus was not the Christ, the Son of the living God to them. Because those, those demon-possessed, that demon-possessed person spoke back to those two sons of Sceva and listen to what the words they said. Some of those powerful words of illustration of what it means to have a relationship with God. He said, the demon said this, Jesus we know. Paul we know. But who are you? We don't know you. I've said it many times before. It's one thing to be known in heaven, but it's an entirely different thing to be known in hell. I'm telling you, Peter was known in hell. When you know, when you truly have a revelation of who Jesus is in your life, you are known in hell. If you're up here right now, I want everybody to raise your hands. Everybody, come on. You're going to help your brothers and sisters out right now because I think some of y'all need to get some things right with God. So we're going to help you pray. We're going to all pray. Those who are in the back back there, help us pray. Those who are online, you pray this prayer too. Jesus, say it loud, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. We confess you and you alone as the only way, the only life, the only truth, the only way to get to heaven. Jesus, we believe you died on the cross and came back from the dead for our sins. So Jesus, we receive that gift and we ask you, Lord, to forgive us of every sin we've ever committed. From this day forward, we surrender our lives to you and you alone. No matter what happens in the world, we will be your voice, your hands, and your feet. In Jesus' name, thank God I'm a child of God. Give him praise right now. If you're a child of God, give him praise. If you're a child of God, give him praise. Now, wait a minute. You didn't come up here just for that. You came up here because you said, I'm ready. Raise your hands one more time. Here we go. Father, stop the music. In fact, if any of you want to get down here, get down here if you want to. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
I thank God for my, my brothers and sisters in this house. I thank God for the sheep that you've called me to shepherd. Lord, I see the tenacity in their eyes. I see the determination in their eyes. I don't see perfection. I see humility. I see a broken heart and a contrite spirit. I see people who are ready to be used by God, who are ready to preach, who are ready to teach, but even more than that, who are just ready to live their lives faithfully before you, God. Lord, they have said they're ready to be a voice. They have said that they're ready to speak in this day, to declare the good works of God in this day. Lord, no matter what has happened in their past, no matter what has been spoken over them, no matter what they've said about themselves, no matter who has dropped them and broke them, no matter what kind of bad relationships with parents and people and even pastors and past Christians, all of that is under the blood of Jesus. No matter what they've done is under the blood of Jesus. They have asked you to forgive them. They are qualified. They are equipped because they are spirit-filled and they are saved. So I thank you, Lord. God, as they did in the early church, as the apostolic anointing is on my life, right now I'm just a man. I know that. But I'm under the apostolic prophetic anointing of God. And Lord, I send them forth. I send them forth. I send them forth right now. God, I send them forth by your name and your authority. It is all you and not me. But God, we send them forth. We bless them right now. We cover them. We lift them up. We plead the blood of Jesus over them. I hear the Lord say, take no thought for what you shall eat or drink. Take no thought for your journey. Take no thought for what you shall say when you are brought before governors, when you are brought before rulers, when you are brought before persecution. For the Lord said, Holy Spirit will speak through you. God will use you. God will bring things to your remembrance that many of you have already forgotten. In fact, I hear the Lord say that before this day is over, Shanda Kobaka, I hear the Lord say before you close your eyes tonight and fall to sleep, many of you will be reminded in the spirit of promises that God gave you years ago that you have forgotten. God will bring them to your remembrance. You will remember what the Lord said. And God said when you hear that, grab, I don't care what you're doing, if you're watching TV, if you're in the, whatever you're in the middle of, stop what you're doing. Grab a notepad. Grab a pen. Because the enemy's going to try to steal it again. I want you to write it down. I want you to write it down. I want you to put it somewhere where you can remember it. Because God said to you today that if he told you one time, he's a faithful and just God to complete it. It might not look like it's going to happen to you, but God said, if I said it, I'm going to do it. The answers of the Lord are yes and amen. The answers of the Lord are yes and amen. So God said to you today, remember. Oh, I hear the Lord say, just as Paul told Timothy, I'm being instructed by God to tell you. God told Timothy, hold fast to that prophecy which was spoken over you, that with that word, you might war a good warfare. The Lord said some of you need to go back and remember what's been spoken over you. Grab a hold of the horns of the altar because you're going to fight the devil with that word. That's why you got to write it down. You're going to fight the devil with that word because when it looks like it's not happening, you're going to pull that word out and you're going to speak that word. You're going to declare as if it's already done. You're going to speak it as if it's already done. And the Lord said, God, the faith of God is going to rise up in you. It's going to blow your mind. And God said, you're going to begin to see things happen in 21 that you've been praying for for 10 plus years. Many of you for a lifetime. This is the year some things are going to happen. Oh, there's going to be some bad things happen. Some really 
really bad things happen in the world in which we live. But the Lord said, for those that know he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, for those that flesh and blood has not revealed that revelation to you, you better mark this. You better mark the words of your pastor. This is the year that the Lord would say unto you, yes and amen. This is the year that the Lord would say, I will open doors that no man can shut. I will shut doors that no man can open. You are blessed going in and you are blessed coming out. I will give you favor in the midst of chaos. I will give you promotion in the midst of layoffs. I will pay debt off in the midst of others losing things. Oh, the Lord said, I love them all, but my favor is reserved for my children. Woo, somebody ought to praise him right now. Oh, we ain't worried about what time it is. We ain't worried about what time it is. We need revival. We need revival. We need revival. We ain't worried. If you're worried, then your heart is not after revival. If your heart is to get out of here by 12 o'clock or 12.05, because you need to get on the road to beat the traffic, your heart is not after revival. Because when revival hits, you might not get out of here on some Sundays to 2 and 3 and 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You better get ready. People are going to be falling on their face in these altars, weeping under the power of God. People are going to be getting up out of wheelchairs. Blinded eyes are going to be open. So you better prepare yourself for revival. You better prepare yourself for what you prayed for. God spoke to me this week and said the churches who are faithful to this proclamation of what what Peter said will see in the midst of churches seeming to be in chaos and closing down by record numbers. The churches, no matter what size they are, that stand truly preach and believe what Peter proclaimed will see substantial growth in numbers, finances, mission, equipping and leadership in this year. In this year. I'm telling you right now, churches that are hungry for God are about to see revival. In all my life, see, I've been, I've been more of my life been in the ministry now than not. A few years ago, I crossed that line where I've been in the ministry longer than I've not been in the ministry. I ain't never been as excited about God as I am right now. Never. I'm at complete peace. I don't need every pew filled. I don't need the balcony field. If God wants to fill it, fine. I don't need the acclamations of of man. I don't need prestige. Whoever comes in this building is going to get Jesus. That's the bottom line. Whoever comes in this building is going to get Jesus. I'm telling you, if you can get them here, they're going to get Jesus. If you can get them to join the online, 